0: Couldn't wait to get back into the book of Revelation. If you're happy that we're studying the book of Revelation, just rave your hands up high in the air and wave at me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, the name William Carey, many of you may be familiar with his name. He was born in the um, 18th century in England. He was a cobbler. How about that? Not peach cobbler, you know, none of that stuff. But he was a cobbler by trade. If you know what a cobbler is, would you just tell me, what is that? right, repairs or, you know, works on uh, shoes. He was a cobbler, uh, you know, uh, worked hard, provided for his family. But William Carey was a genius, and and nobody really knew it. I don't think he knew it. He had a real passion, however, for the Lord Jesus, and he deeply desired to take the gospel as a cobbler, as a shoe repairman to take the gospel to what they called them back then, the heathen, the heathen nations, the Gentile nations. And God began to put on his heart the country of India. And so he began to get his Baptist brethren together there in London. And he says, guys, why don't we form a society and send missionaries out to the foreign lands? And it didn't go over very good. People looked at him. In fact, one guy stood up in a meeting and rebuked William Carey and said these words. He said, if God wants to convert the heathen, he'll do it with or without our help. So William Carey, he was not deterred. He was not distracted. He said, we're going to form this society. He formed the society. And then he said, how many of you volunteer to go and preach the gospel to the heathen? Let me see your hands. Raise your hands. And nobody raised their hand. And so he took that as a sign that, God, I guess I'm the person that's supposed to go. Today, William Carey is known as the father of modern missions. Here's the genius part. Nobody knew that he was a linguist at heart. He went over to India, and he helped translate the Bible into 35 different languages and dialects. When he first got over there, he, you know, he was basically by himself, so he went to an indigo plant. The dye, this red, kind of purple dye that you put in clothing. And for five years, he worked there in that plant, sharing the gospel, visiting with people, and helping plant what we believe is one of the first churches in the country of India. Now, since that time, I tell you, God is just doing a phenomenal work in that country. I mean, people are being saved by the thousands. Hindus are coming to faith in Christ And we as evangelicals today, we can look back to a man by the name of William Carey and say, thank you, God. It was Carey who said these words. Remember these words? Attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. Somebody asked William Carey one time, they said, "Um, Dr. Carey, uh, with all that you have accomplished, what what would what do you say i mean that, that's pretty phenomenal your life and your and your missionary endeavors and what would you say is the key to your success and this this is what he said i love this quote he said well really there's nothing remarkable in what i have done it is only required patience and perseverance end of quote you know patience and perseverance are two sterling qualities That if you and I possess those, I am convinced in my heart that there is absolutely nothing that we cannot accomplish for the glory of God and the good of mankind if we will have patience and perseverance and endurance. Well, that's what this church had in Philadelphia. The church there at Philadelphia, Jesus commended them. He said, Because you have great faith, you have great endurance, great perseverance. And the Bible says that Jesus commended them and had no word of rebuke for the church at Philadelphia. Of the seven churches, there are only two, Smyrna and Philadelphia, that Jesus did not point out fallacies and difficulties and deficiencies in their life and in their church. And so today, I'm going to preach a message on the faithful church at Philadelphia and this is the second part, and so uh, I'm, what I'm going to have to do next week, I'm going to have to come back again next week and finish the sermon. I, I finished the sermon this week, and it was about one hour and 15 minutes. And uh, you, you can only push Baptists so far, amen? I mean, you know, 40 minutes, okay, 50 minutes, all right. You know, the kids, they're, they're, they're over there in the preschool, I get that. And so I've just decided, instead of rushing it, let's just take our time and fully digest Revelation 3 especially of verse 10, the faithful church. So let me, let me read the text to you today. Man, I'm excited about this. The Bible says that the Lord, as He speaks to the church there at Philadelphia, He tells them in verse 10, He says, because you have kept my command to persevere. Because you, church at Philadelphia, the church of brotherly love, literally, you have kept, Terao means to guard and it means to attend to very attentively. You have Terao, my logos, my word of command, to Hupomenon or Hupomen. It means to persevere, it means to endure. And your, your translation may have the word patience. So let's put it together. Jesus said, Church at Philadelphia, you have attended to very carefully. You have obeyed my logos, my command, to not give up, but to endure, to persevere, to have faith, to have patience. And because you have done this, this is what he says, I will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. He says, behold, I am coming quickly, In Taki. You can also translate that with certainty. Certainly I am coming again. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Then we'll, we'll read out the remainder of the, of the, the chapter here or the, uh, this passage of Scripture. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. I can't wait to talk to you about that next week. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. It's fascinating to me as I study this text with you this church, they really are a model church for the 21st century. Can you imagine Jesus having absolutely unequivocally nothing negative to say about a church? No reprimand, no schism, no division, no heresy, no immorality, no problems at all. He's saying, you, church, are a model church of what it means to love me, to persevere on my behalf, to be faithful, to be obedient, to go through open doors. And Jesus commends this church. So you say, well, Brother Dan, how can we emulate that? How can we be a church like the church of brotherly love? How can we be a church that Jesus just smiles upon and commends us? I really think the key to being that kind of church is that word in verse 10, that word hupomenon. And it means to persevere. It means to not give up. Reading David Jeremiah's statement about this church at Philadelphia, he said, you know, this is an interesting church. This church, because they believed in Christ so deeply— They believed that their best days were still in the future. Remember remember that part last time we talked about, I have opened doors no man can close. I closed doors that no man can open. And, And so Dr. Jeremiah believes that the church at Philadelphia, part of their success lie in the fact that they believed that the best days were in the future. And he also writes these words. You know, it's when we feel totally inadequate to carry out the ministry God has given us that we are absolutely in the right place. Big opportunity and little strength is God's recipe for victory and a great future. Can I read that again? Big opportunity and little strength is God's recipe for tremendous victory for a church. Or, and I would say also, for an individual. So last week, we noticed uh, some of the things that the Lord praised the church of Philadelphia for. Remember in verse 8, He praised their works, their open doors, their little strength, their faithfulness, and their obedience. But today, we're going to take just some time and just look at what it means to be a persevering kind of follower of Christ. Now, I want you to think think with me along these lines. Perseverance leads to preservation. If you you have your outline there before you, write, write these words perseverance leads to preservation. You say, well, Brother Danny, there are three points on here. Like I said, next week we'll look at points two and three. I'm just going to camp out right here because somebody very much needs to hear today that you got to keep going on. You don't need to quit. You don't need to back up. You don't need to shut up. You need to keep being focused. You need to keep being faithful. And you need to keep looking to Christ, the author and the perfecter of your faith, And in Jesus' name, I'm encouraging you today to persevere, to be patient, to endure, and to not give up. As I was thinking about this text, I I thought about another passage of Scripture in the Old Testament. You know, it's probably one of my favorite verses, and it's a lengthy passage, and I'm going to read it in a minute, but let me give you the context of it. There's a group of people, the Israelites, and they are on the precipice of entering into the promised land of God. Now, Moses is speaking to them in Deuteronomy 30, and he's telling them, guys, there are great days ahead if you only are faithful to God. If you don't give up and if you don't quit and you obey God, I'm telling you, God is going to bless you, enormously bless you. But there's a flip side to that. He said, on the contrary, if you disobey God and if you give up, you will not inherit the blessing. So let me read it to you. It's one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament. Moses said, but the word is very near you, in your mouth, it's in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, walk in His ways, and keep His commandments, His statutes and His judgments, that you may live and that you might multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go and possess. You hear that? perseverance, be faithful, be patient. Children of Israel, I'm not going. I'm not going to be able to go into the promised land, but God has let me see it with my eyes. And if you will be faithful and you cross over the Jordan, God is going to enormously bless you. However, he said, if your heart turns away and you do not hear and you're drawn away and you worship other gods and you serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. Listen to this word here. Moses said, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. See, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, obey His voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is, listen to this, he is your life, and he is the very length of your days, and that you may go in and dwell in this land, which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them. So today, we're, going, we're just going to talk about this one statement. You say, Brother Danny, can you preach a whole sermon on one point? I bet you I can I may have preached sermons with no point, but this one has a point. all right? It has a single, solitary, I think a powerful point. And again, this is for somebody. This, this is a word for somebody that may be seriously considering giving up. Giving up on their marriage. Giving up on their kids, their grandkids. Giving up on their faith, giving up on their church, giving up on their job, you're in the valley of decision, and you've got a choice. You're either going to push through and persevere and make it, or you're going to give up. You're going to say, I quit, I surrender, I've had enough, I just can't do it anymore. And I'm going to come alongside you with the Word of God and the Spirit of God and say, you can do it. You will do it. You will be successful. You will be faithful. You will finish, and you will finish to the glory of God. So let's go back to that verse in verse 10. Jesus said, I commend you. You have kept my command, and I honor you for this. You have kept my command to persevere. And I love that word persevere. Let me me give you a good definition of it. The word is hupomenon. And it means in the New Testament, one writer puts it this way. This is the characteristic of a man. He is not swerved from his deliberate purpose, and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trial and struggle. Did you hear that? He is not swerved. He is not distracted. He is not deterred. Come what may. Come, May it be tragedy and may it be just difficulty and, and temptation. Now think about William Carey. For five years, he labored in India, sharing the gospel, talking to people about Jesus Christ. And for five years, no Indian came to faith in Christ. Can you imagine that? And he's a Baptist. I mean, he's an evangelical. He wants to see people saved. He wants to baptize them in a river. But for five years, long five years, this brilliant linguist of a man, he just keeps being faithful and he keeps laboring. I forgot to tell you this part. Listen to this. After five years, somebody wrote him a note and they said, Carrie, uh, how how are you doing with all this? And this is what he said. He said, i got to be honest with you. The trials... And the suffering and the pain, they're so severe, I think I only have one option left before me. And I got sad because I was reading it knowing what I would do. Five years, nobody got saved. Families getting sick and dying, difficulties. I I know probably in my heart what I would have done, but here's what William Carey said. He said, all the trials, all the severity, all the difficulty, I have only one option before me, and it is this to press on in Jesus' name. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to back up. I'm going to preach the gospel in India till I see a whole bunch of them come to faith in Christ. And that's exactly what happened. I wonder if some of you are on the absolute precipice of a breakthrough, and you, the only thing you've got to do is be faithful and not give up. Again, I don't know who this message is for. I, I, I know God is really emblazoned just this one point upon my mind that perseverance always leads to blessing and preservation. You know, the Tour de France is starting. I don't know if y'all keep up with that. I I don't, by the way, but I find it very fascinating that those guys will get on those bicycles and they will ride for days upon days. And those guys are about that big around. Y'all ever notice that? Those are the skinniest skeleton-looking people. And they are just doing it for a prize. And, and I thought about and I, I just flipped the channels the other day, and I saw one of them. I mean, he was bony. And he's just riding that bicycle. Man, he's just determined to cross the finish line. And, and I thought, you know what? That's a lot like the Christian life. The Christian life favors more of the Tour de France than it does the 100-meter dash. W- would you not agree? It takes perseverance. It takes that dogged determination that you are going to do it when the wind is behind your back and you're going downhill and, man, you are cruising and all is right on earth and everything is wonderful. And then you go uphill and you go, man, this is difficult. Man, the wind's against me. There's adversity. There are trials and there are tribulations. And instead of just sprinting and giving out, you say, I'm going to be faithful and I'm just going to keep on keeping on. I read a story about this chaplain in the army. Aaron Nolan was his name. And he was in the war uh, in Iraq a few years ago. And, and he is there, and he's serving the Lord, and he's being faithful. And I've never had this happen to me, but they said the, the, one of the worst pains that a man can experience, it's the closest that we get to the pain of bearing children, and that is the pain of anybody? Kidney. St- oh, bless you. Amen. You, you know that. Passing a kidney stone. Now, Aaron Nolan, serving the Lord overseas, he, in fact, they asked him, they said, why, why are you here, chaplain? Why are you here? He said, I'm going to tell you why I'm here. I'm here to encourage soldiers, to encourage them and to lead them to a personal faith in Jesus Christ. He said, that's why I'm here. Well, all of a sudden, he got struck with these kidney stones, and it was so bad that they had, basically they had to send him back to America. And so they got him out of Iraq. They put him in a hospital in Kuwait, and before they deported him from Kuwait back to America, here was his testimony. He's lying there in the bed, and he leads six people to Jesus Christ. I mean, personally praised with him, and one of them was an Iraqi citizen. I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing what we can do if our faith is in God, and if we're persevering, and we, we have this dogged determination about us, that come what may, we will not, we cannot, we shall not ever give up. Now, let's talk about the text a little bit more, this hour of trial. Let's look at verse 10. It says, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial. Emblazon this in your mind. Preservation or perseverance always leads to preservation. Persevere, be faithful, and watch what God will do. He says, I will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Now, it's interesting that in verse 10, Jesus said, "He would terraho." Did you see that? He says, "Because you have toraho, you have kept, you have attended faithfully." He said, "Now I am going to reciprocate. I'm going to keep. I'm going to Tarot. I'm going to guard. I'm going to attend to attentively." Now this hour of trial, what is this? There are different interpretations. I want to share with you mine. I believe that this is a reference to the hour of trial known as the Great Tribulation. Now, this is my pre-millennial, pre-tribulational viewpoint coming in, but I do believe, and I sure hope I'm right, that before that great, cataclysmic, catastrophic time on the earth that Daniel talks about, that Jesus talks about, and Matthew, I read this in my quiet time just yesterday, Matthew 24, 21, Jesus literally calls it the Great Tribulation. And I believe that Jesus takes the children of God out of this earth, and then the world is just thrown into this travail, this upheaval known as the Great Tribulation. And Jesus tells the church of Philadelphia, he says, listen, you don't have to worry about that. I'm going to preserve you. I'm going to keep you from that. Dr. Jeremiah, again, I was reading, and he said, you know, it's interesting to me that the church is mentioned 19 times in Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3, but it's never mentioned after that. The church, the ecclesia, is mentioned 19 times in chapters 1, 2, and 3, and then from chapter 4 to chapter 19, it's not mentioned at all. He believes it's because we're not here. We're taken up, and Jesus comes uh, for us. Another thing that's interesting about this is that uh, Jesus did not say he would keep us through the hour of trial, but he said, I will keep you from. The Greek preposition there is ek. It means out of or from. Dr. John MacArthur, he put it, pretty powerfully when he said it this way. He said, The sweeping nature of that promise extends far beyond the Philadelphia congregation to encompass all faithful churches throughout history. That there is coming a a week that Daniel mentions in his prophecy. There's coming this hour of great tribulation the Antichrist, he will reign, he will rule upon this earth, and it will be a horrendous time. And I believe, and whether, whether you believe like I do in eschatology or not, at least you can agree on this, that whatever it is that Jesus was talking about, he was going to protect his children from it. Now, that's a wonderful, blessed promise, that as we persevere and as we just, we just do what God's called us to do, God will always do what he's promised he will do. Now, verse 11, I know there's a lot of critics on verse 11. Let's look at it. Behold, he says, I am coming quickly. Hold fast. Hang in there. Persevere and keep what you have that no one may take your crown. Now, I've talked about this before, but I want to mention it just a moment again. When Jesus says, Behold, I am coming quickly, in taki is that word. Taki, it's this word that means, it can mean certainly. Behold, I am coming with certainty. Some people say, well, Jesus said he was coming soon and quickly. He didn't come soon and quickly, so the whole Bible's a farce. And there are people literally that believe that. They will take verses like this and verses out of 1 John and verses out of Matthew, and they will say, there seems to be this imminence this of Jesus coming back, and, and he didn't come, and so the Bible, it, it just must not be accurate, must not be true. But that's not true. You know, in verse 10, he refers to this whole seven-year tribulation as one hour, okay? And God does not view time... Like we view time, and I've shared this numerous times, but let me share it again. In God's eschaton, in God's chronology or eschatology, when Jesus came, born of the Virgin Mary, when he came that first time, the beginning of the end, that, that's when it began. But ever since Jesus came the first time, and when he comes the second time, all of this intervening time is known as the last days. We are living in the last days. And so Jesus is coming. And in that sense, when you think of all of time and eternity, then it is rather soon. Somebody put it this way. They said, the emphasis not here, it's not on immediacy, but it's on eminence. That Jesus can come back at any moment, so always be prepared. And that, that to me is comforting. It's reassuring. It's what the Lord says in Matthew. He says, I am coming. And beware, because nobody knows the hour of my appearance, but when I come... I read this again this morning in my quiet time. He said, and when I come again, may I find you faithful in the fields. You know, when Jesus comes again, now whether you believe it's a rapture or whether you just believe he's he's coming all at once and everything is together, you've got to believe he's coming again, right? If you're a Christian, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, you've got to believe that Jesus is coming. And, And when he comes, listen to this, I want to be found faithful in the field, in the assignment that Christ has given me. And when Jesus comes again, the Bible says one's going to be left and another's going to be taken. I want to be that one that is taken. I want to be that one that is faithful, that is serving, that is persevering, that is hupomoning, that is enduring, that is patient. I do not want to be in a compromising place when Jesus comes again. I don't want to be somewhere I shouldn't be. I don't want to be with somebody that I shouldn't be. I don't want to be looking at something I shouldn't be looking. You say, well, that's just fair sayism, brother. That's just legalism. I mean, you just what? No, nope, it's not. It's motivation to me. When he comes again, I want him to say, there's my boy. And I'm going to say, yes, private for she. Boom, coming in to have. You know, one time I, I believe I, I had a dream, I had a vision that Jesus came again and I was on the earth. Have I ever told y'all this story? Well, I'm about to tell you. Give me some water and I can tell it better. Hey, Amen. Man, I'm sweating. I dream that Jesus, there he was in the sky. He was coming again and I was going, well, what's going to happen to you? And for a moment, I was like, am I going to be left behind or am I going up? And y'all, this is what happened to me. Like a rocket combustion, combustion. I went like some kind of—I just took off like a rocket sent from the earth, and I just went whoom, right up to be with Jesus. I'm so glad that my dream didn't have me staying back here. You know what I'm saying? It had me going like, like shot out of a cannon. I just went right up to be with the Lord. Listen, when he comes again, I want to be found persevering being faithful, enduring, sharing my faith, loving my wife, not your wife, okay? You with me? Not looking at pornography. My word, 70, 80% of the men in church are watching pornography. Now, when Jesus comes again, do you want to be looking at something on a screen of a naked woman and Jesus comes again? Friend, you will be very embarrassed, and there's a good chance you're not going to go with him. When he comes, I want him to recognize me and say, he is mine, and shazam, <laughs> woo shazam. I'm, I'm out of here. And I don't know about you, but that, that doesn't scare me. That motivates me. That motivates me to be faithful, though all the world seems like it's going to hell. Brother Ken, it, it is. It's just going to hell. But I'm not. And I'm not going to fall off on that abyss and that chasm of, of compromise and immorality. I'm just going to, best I can, I'm going to keep my eyes fastened on the king. And when he comes, he'll recognize me. You know, Louis Zamperini died this week. Did y'all know that? Louis Zamperini was 97 years of age. He died Thursday morning, early, July the 3rd. Louis Zamperini is a portrait of perseverance. In fact, you go to Webster, you look up the word perseverance, it should have his picture there. He ran in the 1936 Olympics, shook Adolf Hitler's hand there in Berlin. Phenomenal athlete out of California. He served in the Air Force, and as he was flying during the war over the Pacific, he was shot down, his plane was shot down. He landed in the Pacific Ocean, got a raft, and for 47 days, did y'all hear me? 47 days, he floated in the Pacific Ocean. I mean, it is one of the most fascinating stories you'll, you'll ever read. I mean, he, they pretend to be, like, almost dead, and these old vulture-looking birds would come out of nowhere, and they would just grab them and just strip them down and eat them. they do anything they could. They, they'd form little couplets of, of water to get the moisture in the rain. So they survive for 47 days only to be captured by the Japanese. They float toward Hawaii and the japanese are there in those islands and they take them all they deport him all the way to japan and for 2 years he is in a prison camp and he is tortured because he's an american now listen to this there's a guy there a prison guard they called him the bird and the bird hated Zamparini, because Zamparini was kind of a hero in Japan because he was such a great athlete, he ran in the Olympics. And so for two years, he made it a special point to torture him and to persecute him. After the war in '45, he's delivered from the prison camp there in Japan. He's, he comes to America. He starts drinking really hard. He just starts just trying his best to drown out the hurt and the pain. And somebody invited him to a Billy Graham crusade. In 1949, he went to a Billy Graham crusade, the greater Los Angeles crusade. Billy Graham preached the gospel, and Louis Zamperini says, man, what have I got to lose except all this hurt and unforgiveness? He gives his life to Christ, and he's born again, and I'm telling you, it is a remarkable story. So much so that Angeline Jolene, is that her name? Y'all know that name? She's going to direct the movie that's coming out in Christmas about Louis Zamperini. I hope she puts the Billy Graham part in. You know what I'm saying? I hope she tells the whole story. That that 97 years of age, and from 1949 to 2014, he just, I mean, served the Lord. And here's the big part. He forgave the bird. He literally went over to Japan to seek him out and find him, to tell him, I personally, because of my faith in Jesus Christ, I can no longer harbor this bitterness. I forgive you in Jesus' name. Perseverance leads to, help me, preservation. Persevere and watch what God will do. Again, I, it's kind of exciting because this is always fun for me as a preacher because this week somebody's going to come up to me and say, man, you must have read my emails or somebody must have talked to you or something because, I mean, that sermon was, dude, this is wet, nasty. Whew. Let me just take this off real quick. I'm just kidding. I'm taking it off. I have a T-shirt on. Speaking of getting wet and nasty, hey, you know, um, here, here's the last thing I want, I want, I want to share with you. Um, Daniel, Tuesday night at camp was the 5K glow stick run. All right, Natalie, you with me? All right, good. Well. So I go up to camp, and Daniel and them, they're just doing such a great job. God's moving. Kids are getting saved. Some of them are surrendering to the gospel ministry. It's phenomenal. And so Leighton and I, we're going to run this 5K glow run, all right? So, man, I've got it. I'm ready to run. And I get out there, and they did not tell me that once you, after you go downhill, there's this mammoth hill. You, you got to go up. You got to go up it four times. And I'm like, they didn't tell me about this. And so I'm getting my little glow sticks all 50 years of age of me, brother. I, I'm just running. Almost 50. I'm just running and running. And we'd come up that hill, and I'd think, I'm just going to pass out right here or throw up. I mean, I'm just, I'm just not used to these kind of hills. And I would run. Okay, with me? I'm running, going up the hill. I'd get up the hill, and right when I made the turn, there'd be a group of Great Hills students going, go, pastor, you can do it. And I was like, Oh, man, I can't, you know what I'm saying? I just can't, it made me want to run hard. So I'd go down that hill, and I'd come up around there, and they'd say, go, Pastor, go. And I'm like, yes, man. And so I'd run. And then the fourth time, Amanda Pittman. Where are you, Amanda? Are you in the house? She's not here. Y'all tell her I talked about her, all right? Here's what she did. I come up the hill, and she goes, Pastor, I'm going to run with you to help you make it to the end. I said, bless your soul. She ran for about 10 yards. She said, I'm done. (laughs) I said, (laughs) I'm done. Get out of here. She said, but I'm encouraging. And I thought, you know, and Leighton and I were talking about this. And by the way, Leighton, he left me so much for running with pops. I mean, he, he ran for a few yards and he's like, see ya. And I got to thinking about that, you know, isn't that a picture of the church? Man, we're tired. We're running. We're serving. Brother Dave, serving hard. And you're exhausted. And you're, I mean, spiritually, you're on empty. And you have, right if you come after a hill, there's a group of believers going, you can do it. We believe in you. Come on. Man, I'll even run with you for a little bit. I, I, a little bit. <laughs> Not a lot. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. That, you know, oftentimes in church life, it's, it's a shame, but oftentimes you come up the hill and you're exhausted and people shoot you. And people say, oh, what are you doing? But I'm so glad our church is not like that. By and large, we are becoming this radiant body of encouragement and this persevering spirit. And so I don't know who you are today, and I don't, I don't know what race you're running, but you're almost on empty. And it could be right now by the Spirit of the living God and by the church of God and the Word of God this triumphant, this trilogy of blessing is going to undergird you and say, you can do it. You will succeed. You will make it. Because greater is He that's in you, that's He that's in the world. So perseverance leads to preservation. Let, let's pray together and let's have our invitation. With your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, you know, really, nobody looking around, just, just you and the Lord just praying. And if you're here today and you'd say, well, Brother Danny, I... I've never entered the race. I've never, I've never given my life to the Lord. And I'm just living one, one day to the next day, one defeat after the next defeat. And my Friend, I would just tell you that you need to give up. You just need to surrender your life totally to Christ. Would you tell the Lord today, God, I give you my life. I, I surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I repent of my sins and by faith, I'm trusting you, God, to be my king, to be my boss. The Bible says if you confess Jesus, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe in your heart, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And so today, I invite you, as many have over these last few months, that you would give your life to Christ. It's not some magical potion or formula of words. It's just a surrender. It's just saying, God, I'm yours. I, I give up. I give you my life. If that's you today, would you... Would you stand in a moment? Would you come to this altar and just let one of us pastors or one of us counselors just talk to you and encourage you in your faith today? But there are some Philadelphians in the house, there are some brothers and sisters, and you're tired and you're weary. And let the truth be known, you are exhausted. And you're contemplating things, you're thinking about things that would jeopardize your testimony, jeopardize your family, jeopardize the reputation of this great church. You say, well, Brother Dan, I, I don't know what else to do. I'm just, I'm exhausted and I'm just empty. Would you let the Spirit of God and the Church of God and the Word of God come alongside you today? Would you let us buoy you up? Would you let us take your arms and lift them up to the Father? Would you allow the Spirit of God, even now, to remind you of these words? Stay with me. Here it is. Here it is. I can do all things Christ who strengthens me. Lord, I pray for that person. Lord, I ask you to give them courage and, and in Jesus' name may they just take on this spirit of perseverance and they would say, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit on my education. I'm not going to quit on my family. I'm not going to quit on my church. I'm, I'm, Most of all, I'm not going to quit on my king. And Lord, they just may need to come forward today. They may just need to come and kneel at this altar as a, as a testimony to God and to themselves and to others that they're serious. And they're going to be faithful until the end. Lord, the end. It's a coming. And when you come, may we be found faithful. In Jesus' name I pray. Praise the Lord. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? God bless you. you stand to your feet. We're going to have pastors and counselors. Man, we'll have some deacons. We'll have people up here at the front. You may just want to come and just say, man, would you just pray for me? I, I just... I just need a word of affirmation. I need a word of encouragement. I encourage you. Don't hesitate. Why don't you come even now? Terry, you lead us, and God bless you as you come.